Welcome to Closer Than You Think. I am Mark Scott. I have been an ordained pastor, youth leader, public school educator, and volunteer mentor in the juvenile justice system. I have served at every level of pre-K through 12 public education in multiple roles, including teacher, assistant principal, and principal. And I am a published author. Most importantly, in addition to all of my experience, I am dad to two daughters, and I have seen the enormous influence that religious and educational institutions have on people firsthand. Much of my life's work is aimed at reforming and simplifying the systems of church and school to positively impact the next generation. I want to help people to find simpler, freer ways to authentic faith and learning, because I believe God is closer than you think. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on Closer Than You Think. I am very excited today to have a special guest with me. This is Lori Goggin, um, and we're going to get to know her and a little bit about the Reset Mentoring Ministry. And so we're just going to jump right in. Lori, thank you so much for doing this. And I want to welcome you and ask you to just go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what Reset is all about. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. I'm excited to be here today. Thank you very much for, um, uh, Mark, I called you Scott. I meant Mark. I apologize. Right. <laughs> I get that um, all so the time. I'm, I'm very excited to be able to tell you a little bit about what we do at Reset. My name is Lori Goggin. I am the mother of three, Nana of two, and one on the way. Um, that takes up a lot of my time. So it's either Reset or family is, is my sweet spot. That's where I spend a lot of my time. Um, Reset started for us back in 2009 when I had written a book called Relevant, How God's Word is Still Relevant in the Lives of Teenagers Today. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was just going to be my God calling, that I was just going to write books and teach teenagers. And um, one day God called me and he said, I'm going to use your book for you to reach incarcerated teens. And I did not know any incarcerated teens. I didn't know how I was going to get my book to these incarcerated teens. But um, the very next day, somebody at the Juvenile Justice Center who had read my book called me and said, hey, would you mind coming in and preaching to these incarcerated teens? And so I said, great, I will. And what I found out very quickly is they needed a lot more than somebody just preaching to them once a week. Mm. Um there were kids in there who were going to go home to less than optimal home environments that weren't going to have support. There were kids there who didn't know the skills and the tools and the things that they would need to be successful in life, even though it's their heart's desire to have a good life and be successful. They just had no idea how to get from A to Z. And so what we began to do is what they call reentry mentoring, where we introduced men and women to these children at their lowest point inside the juvenile justice facility. And then we followed them back home to the community to give them the support they needed when they went back home. Hmm. Um, and we found that that connection inside that moved to the outside is the very best way to keep hold of a kid and to be able to speak into their life. It wasn't long after that, that we started looking at things like um, trauma-based 
therapy and trauma-based care and TBRI, which is trust-based relational intervention, because what we started to realize very quickly is these kids had been through some significant traumas, traumas that you and I as adults probably wouldn't be able to stand up in. And yet they were still walking and still going and still trying to live a life. And so we started doing things like Sunday Fun Day, where we would just connect with them and feed them and help them to feel safe in the hopes that we would be able to build their trust so that we could then speak into their lives. Um, once we got that relationship going and built and that model done, we started doing life skill classes. And we'll do everything from six-week cooking classes where they get their food handlers, which helps them get a job, to simple home repair. A lot of our kids grew up in very low socioeconomic households, and a lot of the times those households are in disrepair. And it's really hard to feel good about yourself and step out of the house and walk into school or walk into job feeling good about yourself when everything in your life is chaos. Mm. So we teach them how to repair drywall and how to un, um, get sinks unclogged and how to change lights and fix doorknobs so that they could take a sense of pride and ownership in their area so that they could start to understand that there was value, that they can have value and live a life full of value. Wow. That's so powerful. Uh, if you see me looking down every now and then, it's just because I'm making a note of things. There's a few things that uh, jumped out. I, I like that you said that it really is their heart's desire to have a thriving, successful life. Um, I think sometimes when we're working with teens in challenging situations, it's real easy to assume the worst, uh, uh, you know, and, and that's, um, man, they just, they want wholeness and they want health. They want good lives. Uh, as well. And I want to just say to uh, those listening or watching this part about the re-entry piece, the fact that reset really works with while they're incarcerated and then that transition out, I think is one of the things that kind of sets it apart from maybe other ministries where there's or or services or organizations that do um, a, a piece here or there. Um I know there's ways that people can get involved in just pieces of it, but I think that's a really powerful um, thing. And then a, a lot of my listeners and viewers will also really recognize that whole TBRI approach um, from working in the schools with, with different students as well. So that was, that was wonderful. Thank you for summarizing that. When you're working with students, uh, what do you find to be one of their greatest strengths? You know, for the kids that we work with, um, especially as we get to know them, I think their resiliency is is their greatest strength. Mm -hmm. To me, I am constantly amazed. Um, we, we have three girls in our program, and we did not know until six months in when they took a cooking class that they had lost their mother the year before. And yet these girls get up every day and, and it's a struggle and they, they struggle a little bit with grades in school and it's hard to get to school, um, but they come every Thursday night and they listen to us and they build relationships and they come to cooking class and then finally they open up. And when they open up, we're always shocked at what they've walked through and what they're still walking through. Um, that is just amazing to me. We have kids who, you know, don't have electricity or water and, and they'll call us up and say, Miss Lori, can I do a load of laundry at the reset house? You know, and, and, and they don't let it stop them. Instead, they use their resources. They use the men and women that are part of reset to help get them to school or get their needs met so that they can move forward. Um, 
Yeah, I yeah. would just say hands down, 85, 95% of the kids that we've worked with, it's their resiliency that just amazes me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Uh, what do you what do you see as their greatest need that that surfaces among the students you work with? I think that they need adults that are willing to spend time with them. What we tell our mentors is that we have to love them longer than they can be unlovely. Because mm -hmm. when you're a kid and you've been through, I don't know if you guys have heard of adverse childhood experiences. It's a 10 question quiz. And most kids, if they're blessed, um, my kids would score a zero or a one on that. And, and the kids that we work with regularly score a seven or an eight, right? So, so they've got this really high trauma mark, which means that they spend a lot of time in their lower functioning reptilian fight, flight, or freeze brain. And you can't just come in, hit or miss and build any kind of relationship with kids who have waded through that kind of trauma, right? So their number one need is an adult who is going to be consistent and show up. And when they do things wrong, they're going to be consistent and show up. And when they're acting out in the classroom, consistent and show up just time after time, day after day, until they can figure out and feel that safety and know that that this person is not going to leave. This mm. person is there for the long run. They're going to show up. I can trust this person. I can let my guard down. I can breathe. Yeah. And once they get to that point, they're like, clay in, in the hands, right? Because they know this person wants the best for me. This person can be trusted. They see me, they love me. They're not going to walk away. Yeah. And I think that that's just even more than food or clothing or a washing machine to do their washing in. I think that's hands down what they need. Mm. Wow. And it does, it takes so long, right? It takes so much time because um, do you find that most of them are basically expecting the adults around them to let them down to that they go into it kind of with the assumption that well you're you're going to leave too or yeah. um yes uh because most of them i would say 93 percent of the kids that we work with grew up without a father in the home so mm -hmm. already the person that was supposed to be there for them and protect them and provide for them and make sure that nobody hurts them and make sure that they could sleep at night and, and without being woken up with, you know, chaos is, is already gone and they, they feel that. And so just instinctively, they know people don't stay. Yeah. And when people don't stay, I'm not safe. Mm. And, and so that almost seems to be the starting point of, of their, their young lives. And, um, and when the people who were supposed to care for you were not able to care for you in the way that you needed to be cared for, whether it's a single mom working three jobs who, who doesn't have the time or the bandwidth to help with homework or the single family homes or just the generational poverty, what, whatever the reason is, addiction or whatever it is, it, it is it's left them with the mindset of you're going to leave me, so I'll push you away before you do which is really hard that that push and pull that juxtaposition and we train our mentors that you you just you can't let them push you away because if if you let them push long enough and you stand in the gap and you stand firm eventually they stop pushing and they open up their arms yes we have one little boy and I miss Lori. So for all the kids are supposed to love Miss Lori. And, and we have one little boy wouldn't talk to me for four weeks, just mm, 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 very solid and, um, and, and hard to get through. And um, had, had a mom lost an addiction and a dad who died a year ago. 
and and so his whole world came crashing down and he's just got these walls up and this walls of their walls of pain look an awful lot like defiance and their walls of pain look an awful lot like disrespect and 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 um and for four weeks, I've just been chipping away and chipping away and playful engagement and and letting him know I love him. And he doesn't eat anything but desserts. And I pack up desserts every week for him. Well, this week he opened up to me for the first time and we got to sit and talk for 20 minutes about how much it hurt him that God took the father that he needed. Hmm. Um, but boy, we, we had to pull out some cactus prickles and we had to break down some walls before we could get to a point where this kid felt safe enough to share his heart. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, you're, you're kind of touching on a lot of things working with the students, but what do you think would surprise people the most about working with the juvenile justice system itself, or in particular working with the students that you're working with in your ministry? I think the thing that would surprise the people the most is that these kids are genuinely talented. They are artistic, whether it's with a paintbrush or a skateboard or, um, you know, a, a guitar. They they just have this intrinsic talent that needs to be um, seen and brought out. Some of the classes we have are not life skill classes. We do like robotics and sewing and baking, right? Because and painting, because we're, we're looking, we believe that God put a natural gifting and a skill. And because our kids doesn't don't present like regular, you know, A and B honor roll cheering, you know, this is my path kids. You, you really have to dig, but boy, once you dig, and you see, you you read a poem they wrote, or or lyrics to a song that they've written, or or um, you know you, uh, something that they've drawn, and you're just like, the depth of what they have to offer the world is just amazing. But also, I think the next thing that people wouldn't know is if you get behind that wall, what you find is compassion and love, and children who want to connect they want to be a part of something bigger they want to have that connection and they they want to love and, and be loved and and they're funny and they're smart and sometimes it's a little dry-witted but it's just um it, it, it's amazing they're a whole lot more than the sum of their parts yeah yeah wow uh all of that is great and it kind of leads into my next question uh with all of that and and i think adding on to the talent that you're seeing, the creativity, the resilience, and all of that. My question is about what gives you hope for the future? What gives you hope for the next generation? Um, I think, again, in the education circles I run in, it is easy for people to sometimes uh, not get to know students that well. And so then again, they make those assumptions or they say, oh, this generation is lost. This generation is only preoccupied with this or that. Um, not everybody, but what would you say to people who are cynical? Um, and what would you say that, that gives you hope about the next generation? One thing that gives me hope is that seeds planted lay dormant sometimes for a long time, but they eventually come out because we don't work wide. We don't work with a whole lot of kids. We work with about 120 a year, but we work deep and we make long lasting connections. So we're able to see what the fruit that comes up two and three years down the road. 
right? And 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 what is being said to them is not just bouncing off their hard heads. They're they're categorizing it. They're putting it in. They're understanding. And then when it gets to a place where they're ready to launch, they're using that information. So I would say, keep talking to them, keep giving them information, keep giving them tidbits and, and things that they're going to need to lead successful lives, because it, it does come back and they do remember. Um, and then I would also just say that, um, that the, yeah, that they just, they have, they look at things a different way. But the different way that they look at it is refreshing and new and right. And 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 I think that it's going to to lead them in, into um into the future in a, in a way that probably we adults right now wouldn't be able to get there. They're incredibly creative with social media content. They're incredibly creative. You put a camera in their hand. We've got a kid who we're ready to step him up to leader. So he is now our interviewer. And two weekends out of the month, he's interviewing other kids in the thing. And I tell you what, he gets them to engage and he gets them to answer. And, and they just, um, I think that it's a different thing that they offer, but the thing that they offer is going to be amazing for the next generation and what we need moving forward with what we're doing. Yeah. So cool. That's so cool. Okay. Let's talk to uh parents, teenager, uh, teenagers, so, sorry, teachers, uh, youth workers. Let's talk to them for just a minute. Um, directly. What do you think students would want to say to them? And I'm going to frame this in in three different questions. Uh, what is it that they would tell us to keep doing? Like, hey, yeah, you're getting this right. Continue doing this. What would they tell us to stop doing? What would they tell us to start doing? Maybe that we're not. So let's take those one at a time. What do you think they would tell us to the adults in their lives? What would they say? Keep doing I think for the adults in their life, and this is funny because y'all are going to be like, that's not what they act like for the adults in their life. They're, they're, they, they would ask them to, to keep trying to reach them, to keep asking questions, to keep leaning in, to keep showing them that they matter, to keep letting them know they have value, to just to, to keep the connection and the lines open. Because even if there is a wall built there, every time um, that somebody reaches in to their world, it, it makes a difference. It makes a mark. And eventually that wall comes down. So just keep talking, keep asking questions, keep showing interest, keep trying to connect. Okay. Um, stop. What, what could you stop doing? Um, that's hard because I'm a mom at heart and I was um, real invested in the kids like what he was doing what he was going blah 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 blah. but I think sometimes what we can stop doing is almost micromanaging and expecting them to do things the way that we did things mm. um for them their their phone means a whole lot more to them than it ever did to us growing up right and and we look at it as a disconnection a, a da 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 and and they look at it a different way so I think we need to stop looking at things just from our point of view and sit down and talk to them. Why is it that, that the phone is so important? What is it that you get out of that? And just try to see where it is that they're coming from and just stop making assumptions. Yeah. Stop assuming that all kids are bad. Stop assuming that just because they're in the phone, they're doing something wrong. Just get in there and, and find out, ask questions, connect. Okay. Okay. What about and start? What, you know, um, 
I think this generation is not growing up as quick as past generations. And I think that might be a little bit of our fault because we haven't given them the responsibility because you can't grow into responsibility until you've carried the weight of responsibility. Hmm. So what we really love to do is hand the weight of responsibility to a kid when they're ready at the appropriate levels that they're ready for. I would say we need to start doing that again. We have one little girl at T night and she is just off the wall. She has been in all kinds of alternative placements. And one day she was at a serve day and I gave her the task of leading the young kids in a painting project. And as soon as I placed mantle on her of leadership, her behavior calmed down, her speech changed, her chest puffed out and she sat in that room and she led those kids and she did an amazing job. And I think sometimes we do a disservice to these kids thinking they're not mature enough. They can't handle it when when what they need to grow responsibility is actually to hold the weight of it as it's appropriate and let them get used to holding it and carrying it. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. There were some questions that we previewed ahead of time that I, I let you know about. I'm going to go off on just one quick follow-up question here. So this is kind of putting you on the spot, maybe. Um, adults, so like I work right now in an alternative high school, and it is not uncommon at all, especially in my position as an assistant principal. So I'm I'm the disciplinarian, you know, I'm the administrator. It is not uncommon at all to get cussed out. Um, it's not uncommon to you know, lots of, lots of pretty intense negative behaviors that are, are on the surface, you know, like, because their walls are up, like you're talking about on the surface are pushing, pushing, pushing you away. Um, and you know, like what you just said is so, so important. You have to keep leaning in. You have to keep, you know, being there, keep listening, keep asking questions. My question for you is, if you can think of something, what, as you're training mentors, for example, what is it that adults need to have, quote unquote, worked out in their own lives to be able to do that? Because it's very easy if it, if it resurfaces something for you, for you to say, oh, I'm out of here, or, or um, you know what I mean? So what would your advice to adults be about what they need to have in their own lives? My main advice to adults, to my mentors is that these kids will never give anything back. You need to get your vessel filled someplace else, because mm -hmm. if you come into the room with these kids and you're empty, you're drained, you're tired, you're hungry, you're already at a disadvantage and you're going to be knocked off guard. So you need to make sure that you are taking care of yourself through your friends, through your small group, through your God, through your church, through your spouse. Um, just make sure that you are filled up, filled up, filled up. And then once you're filled up, you will better be able to handle that maladaptive behavior. Right. Mm. And then you just have to keep telling yourself it's not about me. It, it, it's just not, it's not about us. These kids have had pain and trauma that we have no idea because they hide it well. Mm. And, and the more they're hiding, the more it comes out in that maladaptive behavior. We took a kid to the movie theaters. We took a group of kids and a lady told him to shut his mouth and he stood up and towered over her. And I had to get up and stand in between him. And I asked him, please change seats with me. And he refused to. So I had to have all the kids move down and I moved him down one and I sat between him and the lady and it was embarrassing 
and I didn't know what was going on. And I was ready to ball them out. These two kids, when we got back in the car, I have already told all the mentors, these two kids are coming back with me. They're in my car. I want to talk to them. And, but the whole time I'm just praying, I'm like, God, what's causing this behavior? What's going on? Can you please tell me how to address it with these kids? And, and so I had a little bit of time to calm down and we get in the car and they were, they were expecting me to ball them out. That's what they were expecting. They knew their behavior was egregious. And instead I said, Oh my goodness, what did that lady say to you? And they were able to say, ma'am, we weren't even talking that loud. I know you didn't even hear us talking. And she was telling us that we didn't belong there, that we shouldn't be there. And if we didn't want to be there, we could get up and leave. And instead of even start addressing their behavior, I said, wow, I am so sorry that an adult spoke to you that way. That must have been real difficult for you. When, when you try to find the pain behind the maladaptive behavior, that's where you can get in. And it happened to be this family that they had lost their dad to COVID two years ago. And we were watching um, a movie on death. And as soon as I gave it, they opened up and they were like, yeah, we probably need to go to family counseling. They said this, those things in that meeting that reminded of um, of our dad. Um, and one of the things was, is we, somebody had told us that he chose not to come back um, to us. And we couldn't understand that. And that makes us so angry. Mm -hmm. But in that movie, when they talked about how awesome heaven was, we could kind of understand maybe why he would choose not to come back, right? So they were dealing with these big, huge adult emotions in these yeah. little bitty teenage bodies. Yeah. And when you're dealing with these big, huge adult emotions in little teenage bodies, it comes out as standing up and challenging somebody in the room. And, mm -hmm. and what it really is, is I don't know how to handle this emotion. And so yeah. we as adults, if we're well, well regulated, if we're filled, then we can come into a situation thinking it's not about us. There's pain behind that behavior. And I think that it helps us to address it better and de-escalate it and be able to move mm. forward. Wow. So good. That's so good. Thank you. Um, how can people be praying for you and for Reset? More mentors. More mentors, Mark. We always need more mentors. We look for men and women at a various churches in the area because kids won't go more than 10 miles outside of their home area to a church. Um, so I'm always looking for churches to partner with so that I can find men and women mentors. Every kid that goes into juvenile justice, they get a reset mentoring packet. So we try to provide a mentor for every single kid. Plus now we work with kids in the community on probation. So as God keeps expanding, we're always looking for more men and women. Um, if we're moving out into Taylor, we're actually expanding uh, oh. to have a teen center in Taylor. Okay. So if anybody in Taylor, especially would like to train a class or mentor, please get a hold of us. That would just be amazing. Right now we are um, coming to love came down. So we're um, having kids adopted for Christmas. We're um, collecting money to buy gifts for the kids inside the juvenile justice who will be away from their family um, because God gives us so much favor. We're the only gift that they get inside of there. So yeah. we're going to, we're raising money to get blankets and t-shirts this year. So they'll have something under the tree. Um, just pray that we can do that. And then also um, pray, pray that the mentors can, can see through the dysfunction. It's hard. Um, these aren't kids that are showing up at Sunday school that we're teaching a lesson to, right? These are kids who are broken and hurt and that just pray for wisdom that we would know how to love them well and yeah. love them long enough yeah. for them to be able to make a change in their life. Well, so you mentioned the mentors. Um, so 
and and what's going on kind of this time of year. So let's just wrap this up and and close it out by giving you a chance to plug any specific needs, any any ways people can get involved, uh, ways they can support. Maybe there's people that are are listening and they're like on the fence and um, I don't know if I want to do that necessarily, but maybe dip my toe in. Um, any anything like that? Volunteers, upcoming events. Perfect. Just- um, if you go to our website, www.resetmentoring.org, you'll have a whole list of um, volunteer opportunities. We have everything from teach a one day class twice a year um, to uh, mentor on Thursday nights. Just come in and let us feed you and play with the kids for two hours, all the way up to level two mentors. We're always looking for trainers. If there's a life skill that you know that you have that you would love to train these kids, um, our goal is always to lift their eyes. So we're always looking for trainers. Um, On our website, you can find out more information about Love Came Down. You can sponsor a booth um, if you want to sign up to maybe even come in and help. We try to let the kids make gifts for their families. And so we have people sponsor booths and then come in and run the booth so the kids can make gifts to give to their parents uh, because we believe it's better to give than to receive. And so it's nice for the parents to be able to receive something from the kids. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I will just say that I have seen some of these things in action myself. Um, it's been a few years, but uh, I've seen the teens making gifts for family members, um, the Sunday fun day, different um, things. I'm actually still in connection with one of the students I was mentoring uh, there. So um, I just want to plug reset mentoring as well and just say that that I've seen this firsthand. I've seen the difference that these volunteers are making that uh, the activities and what Lori does in terms of coordinating all of this and organizing all of this. I know it it's not just you, but you are definitely um, at the the point of the spear on on this and uh, it is an impactful, tremendous, um, ministry and service, not just to those teens, but to our society, to our community. And in the job I am in now, I can say that also, I can say, oh, I know exactly the impact that is making, uh, because sometimes I might see some of the same students go in and out of those activities. Lori, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for uh, spending time with us. I will end up uh, connecting or linking your website and all of that information in the notes for this as well uh, when it goes out. But I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you, Mark. We miss you. If you ever want to mentor again, just give us a call. We'd be glad to have you back. Um, Thank you for what you do over at Success. It's, um, It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. It means a lot to me, and I appreciate any way you can support this podcast and promote our other resources. If you like today's episode, please share it with a friend. Subscribe on Substack to get full access to the newsletter and website for all articles, posts, and episodes at closerthanyouthink.substack.com. There you will find a kit, K-I-T, offering knowledge for your head, inspiration for your heart, and tools for your hands in order to help you construct or reconstruct a vibrant faith grounded in freedom in Christ that is worth passing on to the next generation. 
Follow me on Twitter at Mark J. Scott. That's M-A-R-C-J-S-C-O-T-T. On Instagram at closer than you think underscore 114. And on our new Facebook page at Closer Than You Think. Finally, you can buy my book, You Don't Have to Do That, for a discounted price directly from the publisher at outskirtspress.com forward slash you don't have to do that, or find it anywhere books are sold. Thanks so much. Have a blessed day and act with grace and simplify faith.